0: Romans 10, verses 13 through 17, these are God's words. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Thus ends this reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. Believing upon the Lord Jesus Christ is not something that occurs just once. That first time when we are Uh, brought by his effectual calling to saving faith and united to him and made right with God in him. That happens once for all. Adopted by God in him. That happens once for all. But believing in him is an ongoing way of life for the Christian. It's something that we will do forever. Uh, Of course, uh, one day faith will become sight but we will still live by that faith in him, uh, even as we see him. And believing on him in the heart, as we have been hearing, also comes out of our mouths by way of calling upon his name. And so the verse that we had at the end of last week's portion, the verse with which we are beginning again this week, is verse 13 For whoever calls, on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is our privilege if you have believed into the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would be continually continually calling upon his name, him you have known, him um, he uh, who whom your soul loves and who loves you even uh, as the messengers from Bethany. Uh, came and addressed Jesus uh, in Galilee um, uh, in uh, John 11. They say, Lord, him whom you love is sick. Uh, And this calling upon the name of the Lord then is uh, as much a way of life for the Christian's mouth as believing in him and walking by faith in him is a way of life for the Christian's heart. Uh, we know that he is saving us, that he who has written all of our days in his book before one of them came to be, he who works all things according to the counsel of his will, uh, that whenever we are in a situation uh, that is difficult or even find uh, that our remaining sin uh, is difficult, why, uh, why is it like this or why am I... Uh, Like this, why am I experiencing this? One of the answers to that question for the believer is always because he is saving me. Remember, it was that groaning uh, in the spirit who prays according to the mind of God so uh, so that wonder upon wonders, whatever happens, we know is exactly according to how the Holy Spirit prays and how we would pray if we knew how to pray better, but we do not know how to pray for what we ought, so the Spirit helps us, that that is what leads into that wonderful favorite, rightly so, verse. Uh, We know, we know that all things work together for good for uh, those who love God, the called, according to his purpose. Uh, And we know, therefore, uh, that... Part of uh, his working all things together for good is his giving to us to call upon his name. That when by the spirit whom he has made to dwell in our hearts, we call him Abba in union by our adoption with his only begotten son. That the triune God is glorified by suffering Christians calling upon his name in the certainty that what he is doing in our circumstances, what he will do in response to our prayers is the salvation that he has planned from the beginning. So that we turn on its head that weird, unbelieving question, if God already knows, why pray? And we say, we pray because God already knows that he saves through and in response to the calling upon his name by his people, by his adopted children who are united to Jesus and have believed into him. Uh, And so there is this entire theology of calling upon his name that was in the heart uh, of chapter eight that is brought forward now uh, as he is uh, he has been making the point about God bringing His Word near us and He being the one who puts His Word in our heart. He being the one who puts His Word on our lips and especially putting His own name on our lips. The Lord Jesus, whom we confess that Jesus is Yahweh and that Yahweh became a man named Jesus to save us. And we call upon His name. We call upon the name of the one who has done this knowing that we shall certainly be saved out of every adversity, through every adversity, even in his perfect wisdom which dwarfs us and uh, often in our confusion and our perplexity by means, by means of what we are going through. He is bringing us. Uh, into the full enjoyment of experience of his salvation. He saves us not only from our circumstances or out of our circumstances, but through and by means of those circumstances that he has lovingly uh, assigned to each one of us, uh, as we have several times recently Quoted from the end of Matthew 6 and his loving provision of food and his loving provision of uh, drink and clothing and also sufficient for the day is its own trouble. He who has assigned to his only begotten son the great trouble of the cross to glorify God and to save all who are his through what he suffered giving us that conformity to Christ's suffering, assigning to us not the portion that only the Lord Jesus, only the Son could ever endure, but for, but assigning to each one of his adopted children the portion of suffering that is just right for them, giving us, each of us, that opportunity to glorify him, as we depend upon him through it, as we call upon his name in particular here in Romans 10 verses 13 through 17, through it. And so this calling upon his name to be saved initiates this question then of how we can call upon him. How can I come into this life of knowing the lord jesus and living in fellowship with him calling upon his name being in uh, not only having conversation with him uh, as uh, the shape or the nature uh, of my life which by the way is an old older christian way of speaking perhaps uh, you have uh, investigated and shopped for uh, puritan books and every once in a while you come across uh, one that uh, that refers to the godly man's conversation or the Christian's conversation, and it's uh, it's basically the the same thing that we mean when we say walk with the Lord. Uh, and yet, you get much more of that interaction with the Lord in that word conversation. How can we come into it? Uh, and the answer is, uh, we come into it by union with Him. And we come into union with Him by believing, and uh, we come uh, believing into Him, and we come into by believing into Him by hearing Him, and we hear Him by means of preachers whom He sends to address our ears, while the Lord Jesus, who is addressing our ears with the Scripture through the preacher, is addressing our hearts with the scripture by his spirit. And so hearing him through preachers whom he sends and therefore remembering whenever we come to hear a preacher, that it is not merely the listening to the faithfully uh, explained and proclaimed words of the pages of the Bible, but it is especially that as that is done in addressing our ears. We hear in faith, we hear looking to Jesus to address our hearts, responding to him from the heart as he addresses our ears by the preacher whom he sends. Uh, And so uh, briefly this evening, we consider uh, the passage before us under these headings, Union, with the one upon whom we call uh, in the first place. In the second place, faith comes by hearing it. In the third place, hearing him comes by hearing preachers whom he sends and fourth, But merely hearing the preacher does not give faith or save. It is hearing Jesus that gives faith and grows faith and saves, not just in that uh, that moment in time when we are justified, but in all of the ongoing work that He does, giving us that perseverance and that character as He shapes us in our sanctification uh, until and unto our glorification, as in God's good providence, we just heard together, Lord's Day morning. First, then, union with the one upon whom we call. Verse 14 begins how then shall they call on him into whom, and that's a little more literal translation there, how then shall they call on him into whom they have not believed? Now, that question implies that the only way we can engage in the type of calling upon him that is sure to be heard, that is sure to be responded with by salvation is if we have believed into the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, In other words, this calling upon him that is effectual is is part of a uh, relationship with him, a uh, believing into him and being united to him. Uh, It's not uh, mechanical, so that if you figure out the right way of praying, Uh, the right words to say, you can kind of get out of God by saying the prayer correctly. You can get out of God what you want. No, it's not that at all. And it's not like magical or mystical, as if praying is some sort of incantation that if you just use Jesus's name and perhaps in addition to using his name uh use the the right kind of wording that you can get from God that which is uh that which is uh, in Jesus's name and there are branches of the uh of the visible church uh, that teach that sort of praying uh, even uh, even suggesting vain repetitions that if you use the form that they have given you um you can use not just Jesus's name but they even some branches think that Mary's name has uh some power in it too uh, and this kind of magical mystical uh, and then there are those who are not in uh the Roman Catholic or other uh idolatrous uh, branches of the church, and yet they still think that if they just get the praying, uh, the praying right, and use Jesus's name in the right way, if they're just sincere enough, uh, perhaps uh, if they just are certain enough, many branches of the visible church teach that sort of calling upon the name of the Lord, don't they? Uh, oh, you just didn't pray with enough uh, faith. Uh, you know, that's why you still have the cancer. That's why uh, you are still uh, paralyzed. But no, that is not the sort of calling upon his name that is responded to uh, by God with salvation. No, it's calling upon his name as the one into whom we have believed. The one in whom is all of our life the one in whom is all of our hope, the one in whom we have been made right with God, the one in whom we have been adopted by God. We, having been crucified and now the life we live, living by faith in him, so that we don't need to be cancer-free and we don't need to get up out of our wheelchair just now. What we need is to live in union with him, to depend upon Him and be devoted to Him and have our delight in Him and the, and His saving us is bringing us more and more into that uh, into that holiness without which we will not see the Lord and we will certainly we will certainly be healed of the cancer and get up out of the wheelchair and uh, and enjoy new limbs if we are amputees just because it waits until the resurrection doesn't make it less real. In fact, it is more real. It's not the sort of decaying body that people want to fix now. Is the conformed to Christ glorified body that will never get ill or, uh, or injured ever again in glory. And so this is the prayer of faith. This is the effective prayer. The prayer that comes in union with the Lord Jesus Christ into whom we have believed. Union with Christ is the type of calling upon the name of the Lord that verse 13 describes. Union with Christ is the cause of it. We call upon him because he is our everything. Not because we think that if we use his name, we may get something else that we want from him. And so do you know yourself to be joined to Jesus Christ by faith? Is he your life? Are are your groanings, uh, do your groanings include even primarily Uh, Knowing him more, loving him better, obeying him, depending upon him more consistently, being devoted to him with your life, delighting in him. And living this life of a conversation with him, is it your reflex in trouble to call upon his name, like Peter, when he begins to sink There's only one help there is for him. Lord, help. He's calling upon Jesus. Well, in the second place, we see that this faith, this faith by which we believe into him comes by hearing him. Now we have to do a little translation work here. How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard, says the new king james but it's actually very literally and i think new american standard if i remember correctly does a pretty good job with it but it's even more short and abrupt than that how shall they believe whom they have not heard that this believing into him is actually a response to him himself when he addresses us how shall they believe whom they have not heard The implication is that believing into Jesus comes by hearing Jesus himself. In other words, there is no ordinary hope of faith apart from being addressed by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Peter says, though you have not seen him, you love him. But even though his readers had not seen him, they had heard the Lord Jesus and you too, if you have believed into Jesus Christ, you, this came not, uh, not by so much by the human instrument that he used, who was addressing your ears at the time that he addressed you, but this came by Jesus himself addressing your heart, speaking to your heart. And there's no obstacle to us that he has not physically visited where we are or physically addressed our ears. For we know that it is he who has proclaimed peace to us, and it is he who has taught us. The apostle speaks to this way to the Ephesians when he wishes to drive home to them that the peace that they have with God and therefore that they ought to have with one another is real and true, that it is a sure peace. Ephesians 2, verse 17. And he came. This is... The Lord Jesus Christ. How do we know? Because the He comes from verse sixteen, the one who reconciles both uh, the Jew and the Gentile to God. He, re- he <coughs> verse sixteen that He might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And He came and preached peace to you who were far off, and to those. Who were near? Well, we know that the Lord Jesus in his earthly uh, life never visited Ephesus. Uh, And yet, when he sent his preacher, those beautiful footed preachers uh, to borrow from our passage this evening uh, to Ephesus with the gospel, and in particular, uh, the Apostle Paul uh, preaching that, uh, that as he did there for three years, uh, that Jesus himself was proclaiming peace. And then later in, in chapter 4 uh, of Ephesians, he says, But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. And so there's this wonderful reality that the Bible teaches us that, uh, that makes the preaching and teaching by which the Lord Jesus has brought us to faith and by which the Lord Jesus has grown us in faith makes it more precious and more intimate even uh, than just those who have been become beloved to us and the Lord uh, in uh, in ministering to us. Uh, And you get the sense of that in Hebrews 13, verse 7 and Hebrews 13, verse 17, especially wanting uh, them to conduct their ministry with joy, uh, and there's fellowship and sweetness in that. But how much more? The sweetness of knowing is a theological fact from the Bible. What we may not have been able to uh, perceive uh, in the dynamic of hearing the preaching uh, uh, ourselves, not may not have been able to perceive it ourselves, that Jesus was the one proclaiming to our hearts. And Jesus was the one uh, teaching us. We heard him. We were taught by him. And we still are indeed by faith. That is our hope right now. Uh, we do hope, of course, that the Bible is being preached accurately uh, and that, uh, that the appeal to your ears is, uh, is sincere uh, and, uh, and appropriate. But that is not our hope. That is not the hope. Of what we are doing, the hope of what we are doing now, what you are doing now, is that Jesus is addressing your heart with His word, and that you are hearing Him and you are learning from Him, and you are responding to Him. Ephesians two talks about Him proclaiming His peace to you. Here He's He's proclaiming your fellowship with Him and his hearing you when you call upon his name, and his being the one who is giving you the faith that you need, the faith that you lack, the faith that you couldn't give to yourself in the first place before you had it, and that faith came by hearing. And yet, we often come to him, don't we? Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. My measure of faith thus far, O Lord. To use that language from a chapter and a half or so now, Uh, in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you, implying that God will continue to give you more, measure out more faith to you. And we look to him to be doing that even now. And so uh, I ask you, have you heard Jesus? And when I ask you that, I'm, I'm not saying, have you perceived an inner voice? No, I'm asking, have you come to believe into him whom the scriptures describe, whom you have heard preached to you? And then you can say, I have heard Jesus. You've probably met believers who are aching for some audible word, or maybe who have claimed to have heard an audible word, and perhaps your own heart has has wished, oh, if I could only hear Jesus like that. Oh, if you have believed in Jesus Christ, you have heard him. That's where faith comes from. And if you haven't, you can look to him to give you that hearing. Uh, For our calling upon him comes by his effectually calling us to himself the called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28. Those whom he predestined, he also called, Romans 8, verse 30. Then you remember in uh, in chapter 9 and verse 11, the purpose of God is according uh, to election, not of works, but of him who calls, chapter 9, verse 11. And then chapter 9, verse 24, even us whom he called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. And all of those callings are referring not to the external call, the outward call, where a man may preach to a congregation that has among it elect and reprobate, and they all hear the same gospel, uh, just as some of us have grown up In the church, and we heard the same gospel and, and some uh, have, have rejected the faith and uh, have rejected Christ and are not walking with Him. And we, we say, how, Lord, why am I believing in you and walking with you? Uh, Why do I have salvation begun and sure to be completed uh, when they didn't? And the answer is because He called you. He spoke to your heart. You heard him, and he gave you faith by that hearing. So we say, oh, I want to hear Jesus. If only I might hear Jesus. How can I hear him? Well, that is answered by the implications of the third question in verse 14. How shall they hear without a preacher? Now, listen to the implication of that question. The implication of that question is, if they haven't heard the Scripture, and especially in this case, the Scripture preached, then they haven't heard Jesus. It says, how shall they hear without a preacher? Now, there are many who speak in a way in the visible church, there are many who speak in a way that, that would say, well, they don't need a preacher. We can all hear Jesus just speaking inside us. Now we know that the scriptures are the word of Christ. Even the Old Testament, 1 Peter 1.11 tells us that uh, the, those by whom the Lord wrote the, the scriptures of the Old Testament were writing by the Spirit of Christ. And the New Testament, of course, is the fulfillment of, of the Lord Jesus' promise in John 16, when he said he had many things to say to them, but they couldn't bear them at the time. And uh, and he would send the Spirit of truth. He would send the one who gave them the words that remained, the things that remained, because he would speak from the Lord Jesus himself. And so, yes, uh, if you want to hear Jesus, you can read the Bible out loud. Uh, But there is the particular stated blessing here, the particular stated reality that Jesus is the one who sends faithful preachers so that by his appointment, by his design, when a faithful preacher addresses our ears with the scripture, proclaims the word faithfully, the Lord Jesus himself is addressing believers' hearts. He is effectually calling at first to bring us to faith in him and effectually using his word to grow that faith. So this should make us very careful about saying and speaking about <coughs> Jesus Speaking to us on the one hand, apart from reading the Bible, apart from hearing uh, faithful scripture preaching by uh, by biblically ordained and sent men. It should make us careful about the idea that Jesus spoke to me apart from those things. But it also should make us very careful about what we do with the Bible and with faithful preaching because these are indeed the words of Jesus that are on the that are on the pages of scripture and we need to have them do more than just go into our ears we need his spirit to make our hearts good soil so that we will not neglect such a great salvation that was spoken at first by those who heard Hebrews 2 says at the beginning of the chapter, but don't neglect that 11 verses into the chapter, it reminds us that Jesus is the one who declares his father's name in the midst of the congregation, which is why Hebrews 12 warns us, see that you do not refuse him who speaks. And you say, well, that's a lot to say about the man on earth. Who's proclaiming the words of Scripture into my ears, but that's not what Hebrews 12 is talking about, is it? Because it says, If they did not escape who refused him who spoke from earth, how much less will we if we refuse him who speaks from heaven? Referring to the Lord Jesus who addresses our hearts. And so we must be very careful and prayerful to look to Jesus. To give us the the soft-heartedness, the submission, the reverence and awe that's coming out of that conversation or that, that that discussion of hearing preaching in the right way because the preaching that we hear on earth is shaking not just earth but also heaven because he who addresses us in it sits on the throne of heaven and he is giving us an unshakable kingdom and using his word that he proclaims to us to bring us into possession of that unshakable kingdom and that is what leads to the conclusion. Let us have grace that we may worship acceptably. And you say, well, that means following the regulative principle, right? Well, yes, it does. It means only worshiping the way Jesus has said. But more immediately to the context there in Hebrews chapter 12, it means listening with a submissive heart, receiving and responding to the Lord Jesus who addresses us in the preaching. And that is Grace to worship acceptably with reverence and awe. And doesn't it strike you? Uh, aren't you awestruck to think, to realize, that when the Lord sends his preacher, that he is addressing your heart? This is why in that wonderful quote in, uh, in verse uh, 15, from Isaiah 52, verse 7, he says, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. You might think how beautiful is the mouth or how beautiful is the tongue. But it's the feet because the most beautiful thing about this peace that is being preached and this glad, these glad tidings that are being proclaimed is who has sent the message. That the Lord himself has sent the message. This is why the doctrine of ordination and following the scriptures rightly to identify in the biblical way those whom the Lord has called to this ministry is so important. This is why those who are in the ministry uh, preparing in the right way and not just thinking academically and structurally, but... Uh, in submission to the Word, to preach what the Word says is so important because we want preaching that comes with beautiful feet, preaching that is sent from Jesus Himself that He might address our hearts. Hearing Him comes by hearing preachers whom He sends, but it's not enough to have a Jesus-sent preacher. Look at verse 16 and 17. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. That is to say, the message that Jesus has given and sent preachers to preach. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? Isaiah was sent by Jesus. He preached a gospel of peace from Jesus. And he preached to multitudes who, rather than believing in and resting upon the cornerstone, the Lord himself who had sent the preacher with this good news of peace, they stumbled over him as a stumbling stone. They didn't believe. They didn't rest upon the Lord. They didn't rest upon Christ. Christ. They rested upon themselves and their efforts as if it were by works of the law and their ideas as we have gone through much of Isaiah. You can remember so many of those passages. And so just having the Jesus-sent preacher with Jesus' own message in your ears, that does not give faith or grow faith by itself. So the conclusion, verse 17, faith comes by hearing. And it's this wonderful dynamic where, yes, you have Jesus sent preachers with Jesus sent message or Jesus given message. And yet it's not the entering into our ears or even our thoughts of those words that we hear that gives faith. Faith comes by hearing hearing and hearing by the word of God. He gives us that saving hearing, that saving believing by his addressing our souls. Would you walk in union with Jesus? Would you effectually call upon his name to save you in and from and through every trouble? Then look to him to effectually call your own heart, to address your heart with his faith-giving word, whether reading the Bible or especially while Jesus sent preachers. Address your ears with the Jesus-given message on the pages of Scripture. May he give us such preaching and such hearing by the ministry of his Spirit. Amen.